What's wrong with you? We're done. And we're supposed to be talking about the holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. We loved podcast through the Troy Public Library. Amanda, it's the holiday season. Olivia, it is. I can feel the crispness in the air, yep. and I'm awaiting a just dumping of snow this holiday season since we're in year three of La Nina, apparently, according to my um, news articles I've been reading. So, what does that tell us that we have more snow ahead? Global warming, and this is our third year, and they're predicting it's going to be a cold year here in Michigan, and that we can anticipate a bit of snow. Mm. So I'd like to say we're going to prove La Nina wrong, but you just never know. You're not a snow fan yourself? I am. I don't mind snow. I like one of two things. It's either got to be a ton of snow, like snowman, snowball packing snow, whatever. You don't want the gross sleety snow that goes down your coat and is awful. I like a ton of snow. Or if we're not going to get a ton of snow, it's okay if it's like frigidly cold outside. But I don't like when it's both. I it's also like want, too much. It's gauche. It's I don't garish. know if I can put this out to the universe, but I would also like at least three snow days this year where the library is closed. So I'm just asking the universe for that now. That is my holiday wish. Put it out there. I'm putting it out there. Your two front teeth plus three snow days. Three. I should start whistling when I talk so people think I'm really missing my front teeth. <laughs> Picture it, listeners. Gross. <laughs> Please, listeners, don't. I've already given you a picture where I'm dressed like Colonel Sanders. You don't get everything. Do you dress up for the holidays? Do you dress up for Christmas? I do. do you dress up for Thanksgiving? Um, I don't, but I have a fun story I want to share. Um, I have a friend that I met at Wayne State when we were in grad school for our uh, library science degrees, and her name is Stephanie. And um, she told me that they have a family tradition where every year someone in their family dresses up in a full turkey costume Mm. and goes out in the woods and hides which kind of feels (laughs) unsafe to me because I feel like hunting season starts in November here in uh, Michigan so maybe being dressed in brown like game maybe maybe just people are going to confuse you with game they had to go in the woods and hunt this person out get the turkey to come out of hiding and then they would chase the person it sounds like a really crazy adult game of turkey tag is really what it sounds like. And I'm hoping that they just have a really big piece of property so no one's out there also turkey hunting with a gun. So before we started recording, you mentioned that there weren't any good Thanksgiving books, but I think you forgot the most dangerous game. Did you ever read that? I think it was a short story. I did. And little did we know it was a Thanksgiving story all the time. We just I thought did. it was we a didn't horror. Know. That is, wow, you just brought me back. I think our teacher had us read that in like sixth grade. Very disturbing. Yeah, we read some disturbing stuff. Like the our teachers wanted us to know. Life is hard. Like the lottery. You couldn't get out of school without reading the lottery, did you? Mm, I don't remember the title, possibly. It was the Shirley Jackson story. Where- no, but I know what book you're talking about. Yikes, you had some dark teachers. We had dark I'm telling teachers. you, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I've said it before. Those were some feral days where the adults in charge wanted us to be real scared of the world, um, live in fear of being kidnapped or distrust you know, each other. They wanted distrust us to, people, yeah. be scared of hunters in the woods that were hunting people and not turkeys or people dressed like turkeys. There's a lot of stuff to be afraid of out there. And that's what <laughs> we're here to talk about as we think about the holidays coming up. 
<laughs> Distrust, terror, the darkness that lurks in the woods outside your house. It's happening. We're here to bring some Yuletide depression to everyone. <laughs> you know, some people don't like the holidays. They find it very depressing. They I'm do. not one of those people, are you? Um, Not really, no. I but I can see how it would be hard. Like if you were yes. maybe single and you wanted to be in a relationship or... If you had, I know um, my father passed away at the end of October when I was in grad school. And so I think for some people, those first holidays after yes. a major loss are very hard yes. and that can be very depressing and very um, dark days for people. So I, I can see how it's a very valid thing. And having worked in mental health for five years, um, I know that that was a time that a lot of people struggled. So it's like um, certain, some yeah. people don't like them across the board, but then there are people where, yeah, it's like certain holidays. Yeah. It's like that tradition brings you back sure. and it's harder. Sure. And also I just think seasonally, you know, we have less light, so you're getting yes. less vitamin D. You're stuck inside, especially in the Midwest. If you don't do like, if you're not a snow person or going out and playing hockey or whatever, it's, it can be really hard because you feel like you're trapped inside. You're not getting enough sun. You get kind of that, those like seasonal depression moodiness, but hopefully today our humor and our discussion of some of our favorite um, books that we're going to recommend to you for possible holiday gift giving and maybe some of the things we share later in the podcast will bring some smiles and some cheerfulness to this time of year for anyone who's struggling. Yes. Yes. So today we are talking about books that you might love or that your loved ones might love. And who's our guest today, Amanda? Olivia, we actually have no guest today. It's what? like episode one all over again, just you and me. It's the Olivia and Amanda show today. Just all good all stuff. So if you're time. here to hear somebody else, that's not us. Today's not your day, friends. Yeah, skip this one. Sojourn on. Also, what's up with you? Why would you want to hear someone else that's not us? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's Seek other great help. voices out there. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. All right. So what Amanda and I did is we gave each other an assignment. We picked categories of books mm -hmm. that people might want to buy for their loved ones over the holidays as mm -hmm. gifts. Mm-hmm really any time of year, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so since Amanda's a youth librarian, I picked some children's genres. I got some homework for uh, different types of youth readers. Youth readers. Yep. Mm -hmm. So Amanda looked for youth reader books and I look for adult and teen. I don't think I have any teen on here though. I think these are all adult teenagers. That's okay. You reach out to the library. We'll have lots of great recs for our teens as well. Yeah. I'm super pumped. Olivia, do you want to start first? I feel like you're such a generous host. You always ask me to do my recommendations first. So I'm going to turn in the holiday spirit of giving and gratitude, Aww. turn this around and ask that you go first today, right. pal. Cool. So the first thing that you picked for me mm -hmm. was what if you wanted to buy a book for someone who loves mysteries, but nothing too gory or violent? Mm-hmm. Great pick. We get that question a lot at the reference desk. I imagined two different people who might fit into this category, okay. if that's okay. I had a difficult time limiting, limiting myself to one book per category. So the first person I thought of is your grandparent who mm -hmm. ba has basically seen it all in life. They're tired of darkness. They just want yeah. something sweet to get them through. Well, maybe not. this isn't quite sweet, but it's still exciting, but they don't yeah. want like... They don't want to feel like the world is a terrible place by the yeah. time they're done reading. They want to know that crime happens out there or mysteries happen, but that it's not all darkness and awfulness. Yes. They need to be able to sleep at night 
Everybody. And they're either down quilts. <laughs> With their little Charles Dickens caps on, like pulled up and their blankets and they're pulled up to their heated chin. bricks at the foot of the bed to keep their feet warm. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to interrupt that. So we're going to recommend to them The Death of Mrs. Westaway by mm. Ruth Ware. Did you read that mm-hmm. one? So I did. This is Ruth Ware is a great author for this category because she writes in the vein of Agatha Christie. Yep. They're not police procedurals. Nope. They're not law and order type things. They are just human mystery stories. And there's usually someone like a normal person at the center of the story who's trying to, to solve the mystery. Figure so, things out. Yeah. So this is about a tarot reader mm-hmm. and she is kind of in a little bit of hot water financially. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, she gets a letter saying that she has, she is entitled to this inheritance from this person that she's never met. Mm-hmm. She knows that the letter came to the wrong person, but she's in such desperate state with money that she decides she's going to use her like tarot reader, human reading, manipulation, thinking on your feet skills yeah. to actually go to the family house and see if she can actually get this money, even though it's an She's not the right person. She's yeah. not the right person. So then she goes to the family. She sort of, sort of ingratiates herself into the family and then slowly realizes that there's something up with this family. And then mystery ensues. Mm-hmm. So that's that's The Death of Mrs. Westaway by Ruth Ware. And the second person I thought for this category was your best friend who loves those female scammer stories like the yes. Elizabeth Holmes or the Anna Delvey story or yes. like those ladies who are getting one over on other people. And I thought of the book Who is Maud Dixon by Alexandra Andrews. Did you read this Ooh, one? No, but that was on my list. So this is about a... I don't want, it's hard not to give too much away in the description for this one, mm-hmm. but it's about a writer. She's very ambitious and she gets this opportunity to become the assistant to Maud Dixon, who's this very famous, mysterious writer, sort of like a, um, what is her name? Elena Ferrante, mm-hmm. where people didn't really know who she was. Yes. It was a pen name. Yes. So she gets to be this assistant to Maud Dixon. She meets her and Maud takes sort of a shine to her. So she takes her to Morocco for a research trip mm. and something happens where Maud is a little bit out of the picture mm. and Florence, who's the main character, slowly but surely starts to ingratiate herself into Maud's life and might even become Maud Dixon. Oh, will she, this will kind she of not? sounds like a talented Mr. Ripley kind yes. of situation. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's like Ooh. a little bit of obsession. There's Ooh. like a all about Eve sort of element to mm. it. So wow. she's a scammer and it is twist after twist after twist. Do you I'm think you know? I'm going to have to re-add that to my list. That one's a good one. So that is Who is Maud Dixon by Alexandra Andrews. Let me stop you and ask you a question, Olivia. So being a librarian, anytime I meet someone new and we start talking about what we do and I say I'm a librarian, people are always like, oh, do you read a lot? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Tons. Um, read, listen, whatever. So I don't know if you have the same experience, but people always want to recommend what they love. Mm-hmm. Always. And I love that. But because I get so many recommendations from people through book clubs, my aunts and cousins, and I have this text strand where people always send a screenshot of what they're reading or listening to. And if they love it, whatever. Um, I have a personal rule now because we get, I get so, so many recommendations. So for adult books, which obviously take usually longer to read than kids books, I do uh, three recommendations and then I'll read it. So if someone mentions it and it's not already on my personal list, I kind of tuck that back away 
And then after the second person, I'm like, oh, oh. and then so you're the Ma Dixon one is actually the third. So ding, that ding, means ding. it moves up on my list. So I don't know. I if like you, that do, you have a, do you have a system like that? No. Um, what I was thinking the whole time, Amanda, because I'm fundamentally um, not as nice as you, as I was thinking about. <laughs> I pretend when, I'm going to read them. No, and no, no, I don't. <laughs> what I what really gets my goat is when I'm on a Facebook group or something and someone mm-hmm. asks for a recommendation and they'll be like, I'm looking for a recommendation a book that was written in the last five years. It has mm-hmm. like a diverse set of characters mm-hmm. and like, it's a mystery story. And the main character is like a lesbian woman. Does anybody know? And someone will swan in some civilian who's never been a librarian in their life and be like, you should read war and peace. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, you did not, not listen. what someone's looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Don't recommend. You're Let not pick qualified. The longest book ever and ask you to read that, please. <laughs> and it's like, they don't listen. They just recommend the last thing thing they read yeah or the thing that they like yeah and it's like okay that's a thing you liked you probably read it 35 years ago you're not a librarian i mean (laughs) civilians can have good recommendations too but like listen to what the person's asking for yeah true for sure so yeah that's a good peeve that's a good peeve (laughs) is that your pet peeve your all-time greatest that's one of them it's hard to narrow them down you know it is it is hard but interesting things that we learned about each other. Uh-huh. All right. What do you got for me for you? Are we going to bounce back and forth? I think oh, so. I think that's a great idea. Um, okay. So first thing Olivia gave me was a book for a fourth grader who reads at a higher level, but maybe isn't ready for gory or sexier content. And so this was actually a really great question. I got this recently from a mom and we had to really do some digging. And so um, I did find some really helpful lists online, which I kept. But um, a couple books that I chose, I chose one that I've read and one that I have not read, but is on my list. So the first one is a fantasy book and it's called Where the Mountain Meets the Moon by Grace Lynn. And I'm going to actually read the descriptor since I haven't read this. I can't really explain it. But in the Valley of Fruitless Mountain, a young girl named Min Lee lives in a ramshackle hut with her parents. In the evenings, her father regales her with old folk tales of the Jade Dragon and the Old Man of the Moon, who knows the answers to all of life's questions. Inspired by these stories, Min Lee sets off for an extraordinary journey to find the old man of the moon to ask him how she can change her family's fortunes. She encounters an assorted cast of characters and magical creatures along the way, including a dragon who accompanies her on her quest for the ultimate answer. And the reason why I chose this was when I was looking up lists for books for younger kids that read read at higher levels, I felt like a lot of the books that were being recommended were realistic fiction, Mm. which are books that are... Uh, it's a novel, so it's a fake story, but it's based more in reality versus, you know, fantasy we know is fake, um, sci-fi we know is fake. They're fiction that reads very close to life, so sometimes they can have more intense plots for kids, like, you know, maybe it's the story of a kid dealing with finding out they're on the spectrum for the first time, mm. or a story about a kid that's getting bullied, or stories about, you know, sometimes it's survival stories. And some of these kids don't necessarily want those more intense stories. Yeah. They're still young they still want some lighter stuff so i thought it was kind of fun to pick a fantasy that um from everything i've read is fantastic very engrossing but also features some um diverse characters you Mm. know something we're always trying to do is making sure that kids um see a representation of themselves yeah so i thought this was a great diverse story for Mm. our fourth grade readers that are reading at a higher level so i also picked echo which is by pam munoz ryan 
And this one's a little bit, this is for your kiddo that it just chews through books. It's a little bit longer story. It's over 500 pages. So um, this would be great for a kid that really loves to read, a really strong fourth grade reader. This is a great middle grade book, which is usually fourth through sixth grade. And um, this, it starts out almost like a fairy tale. Um, uh, the, the character at the beginning, his name is Otto. He meets three mysterious sisters and finds himself entwined in a quest. And it involves a harmonica, which is, I, when I started this book, I'm like, what in the world? Like, where are they going with this story? And then the story um, switches. So there's, uh, I think, three other parts to the book. And it follows three other kids. Um, Friedrich is in Germany. Mike is in Pennsylvania and Ivy is in California and it's three different times in history and the harmonica intertwines all of their stories together. Oh, I love that kind of and thing. And I don't want to really say much more than that because this book, it will suck you in. You will keep trying to read, trying to like puzzle out where they're going to go with the story. And when I got to the end, I was so just gobsmacked how she tied everything together. And it is just beautifully written. Um, if you handed this to me and told me it was an adult book, I wouldn't doubt it because yeah. it's it, it, it kind of feels ageless in that sense, even oh, though the kids that. are younger it is just so beautifully written that it kind of felt timeless, ageless to me. Let's normalize reading kids' books as adults. Yes, can we please? So because good. they're so good. And, you know, I always tell people the thing I love, especially about middle grade books, is they start tackling harder subjects. But the thing I love about kids' books that you sometimes lose in some of the adult books is there is still hope at the end. Mm. Even when bad things happen, I feel like a lot of kids' writers do a really good job of making things hopeful without it being cheesy. So do you want to hear about some winter romances? I do. I do. Okay. So the first person that I thought of was maybe your older sibling who loves those Christmas Lifetime movies, or in my yes. case, my two younger siblings who loves yes. those. The Hallmark um, movies too. The Hallmark movies. Oh my That's gosh. what I was thinking of. The yeah. Hallmark movies. Oh, they do the Lifetime Christmas ones too. Oh. But I feel like like maybe a puppy gets abused as well. Because oh, those tend gross. to be sadder. Oh, no, do they? Because okay. Lifetime, it's always like sad abuse stories, but hopeful at the end a lot of them oh really Does your okay. mother never make you watch these when you were a kid no see i was too busy reading the lottery i guess <laughs> that's how i got <laughs> my darkness third, for the third time <laughs> i just couldn't take it Come on, honey we're gonna watch a christmas movie where a puppy gets abused but i think he gets a home at the end no mom i'm reading the lottery again <laughs> So for this person, I picked In a Holidays by Christina Lauren. Mm -hmm. Christina Lauren is actually two people, Christina and Lauren. They co-write books oh, together. I didn't know that. Did, yeah, a little tidbit for you. They write uh, very popular romances. Um, so yeah, I think really any of their books, if you have a romance lover, but this is particularly a winter romance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then um, I thought of your cousin who's obsessed with Gilmore Girls. And this mm -hmm. one I had to ask i had to phone a friend for this one because i'm not a huge romance reader but my co-worker elizabeth is thank you elizabeth she picked the tourist attraction oh. by sarah morgenthaler mm -hmm. and that is about a woman who travels to alaska where she meets a grumpy diner owner who works in alaska i know you like the grumpy dude so maybe this would be up your i alley do to i do and um they meet romance ensues there's a small town. I wrote small town, grumpy one and sunshiny one love story. <laughs> so if that helps I you. I feel like you've just, just also described the Gilmore girls in one sentence. Yeah. Except in Alaska. Yeah. So heck yeah. If you want something light and fun, 
and wintry. Oh it's man, the speaking attraction. of Alaska, and this is not necessarily a holiday recommendation because this is an intense book. Did you read The Great Alone? No, but... By Kristen Hanna? I can't bring myself to do it. Oh man. Is it it's, good? It's really good. I'll tell you what. The audiobook was excellent. Really? I do a lot of audiobooks since yes. we drive a lot to go visit family and things. Um, that, again, I would not maybe rec- recommend this at this time of the year because it's a re- kind of a really intense book, but it was so well written and so, it really sucks you back into the 70s and it takes place in Alaska. It starts with a family moving up there, trying to live off the grid and you see certain members of the family just turn and take some unhealthy routes. Oh, that's hard. It's a kid's perspective, right? It's kind of, yeah. The main character is the daughter who, when they move out there, I feel like she's 11 or she's younger. And then it kind of follows them for, I feel like about a decade maybe, but then it kind of flashes forward to when she's older and then kind of comes back and has a reckoning with this area. And it is very good. But you talking about the small towny Alaska thing. It's like that kind of took me right there, even though it is not a love story. I guess I will go on to my next recommendation. We've Olivia asked me for a fantasy series for tweens. Tweens are uh, nine to 12 year olds fantasy series for our tweens who don't actually really like reading that much, but you're a cool aunt or uncle or next door neighbor, godparent. And you're like, God darn it all reading saved my life. And even though this kid doesn't love to read, I'm going to, still impart my love of reading to them and they're going to enjoy this gosh darn book. I would recommend um, Fable Haven, which is by um, Brandon Mole. It's a series that's been around since 2006. So this series has been around for a while. And honestly, I don't even know how many books there are in this series now, but this series is has been, um, it's kind of tried and true to his true it has been popular at every single library i've worked Mm at um i did the same thing again i have one recommendation i have not read and one that i have read this is the one i haven't read so i'm going to just um read a little bit of what's on the back of this one um and it is a fantasy series for centuries mystical creatures were gathered into a hidden refuge called fable haven to prevent their extinction the sanctuary sanctuary is one of the last strongholds of true magic enchanting absolutely exciting you bet safe well actually quite the opposite Mm. kendra and her brother seth have no idea that their grandfather is the current caretaker of fable haven inside the gated woods ancient laws keep order among greedy trolls mischievous satire satyrs how do you say that satyrs satyr satyrs satyrs whatever plotting witches spiteful imps and jealous fairies however when the rules get broken powerful forces of evil are unleashed and kendra and her brother must face the greatest challenge of their lives to save their family and on the cover there's a kid climbing presumably um what was the brother's name kendra and seth seth is climbing up this crazy wood pile and there's this terrifying dragon-looking thing. So kids that are into fantasy series, this would be a great one to kind of loop them in. It's very um, fast action, high, um, fast-paced, good action, fun story. The other one I chose was um, 
The other fantasy series was Ranger's Apprentice series, mm. and they're actually written by an Australian gentleman by the name of John Flanagan. You know, it's always a good sign when kids of the age that should be reading it recommend the book to you. Yes. And it was really cool because I had this um, family with uh, one of my old libraries. I had seven kids in it, and they were homeschooled, and they were all voracious readers. And the three oldest brothers were all uh, tweens, and they were reading this series, and they recommended it to me. And the story follows these rangers, which work for the kingdom, and they are really hardcore. They train to be the best um, with bow and arrows. And their thing is, their aim is not to kill the bad guys. It's always just kind of like... And that's why I think a lot of parents like it. It's not about killing. It's about kind of like disabling the bad guys with your weapons or your tools or your smarts and then kind of like taking them to justice. Mm. So I think that's why this one particular mom was such a huge fan because it was not about the violence. It was about bringing people to justice and they protected this kingdom, but they go on all these crazy adventures into the kingdoms around them to protect their own realm. And they're so fast paced and so exciting and so interesting as an adult. I love them. They were so good. And if you do love them, there's a newer spinoff series. They turn the last book into the first book of a new series. And there's another series by the same author called Brother Band, which takes place on a different island than the original series takes place. So a whole new set of characters. It's nice, too, when you can get a kid interested who maybe doesn't love reading, if you can get him into a series, especially like you said, there's like a blue million of those fable havens. Mm-hmm. And then the spinoff series and the, and yeah, they're good to go they for find a while. something they like. There's yeah. nothing worse than if you offer a kid a new series and it's like, well, here's volume one. I don't know when the next books are coming out. Yes. So that's why I kind of like recommending for series. I like recommending things that are slightly older yeah. because then the majority or it's done and yeah. then you can read your way through it. And then we can use tools like novelists to make some other educated guesses as to what you might like. What so. you might like. Cool. Yeah, thanks. That's a great one. Thank you. All right, so you asked me for some amazing nonfiction recommendations for someone who loves learning new things. Yes. I had a couple. So the first one was your outdoorsy co-worker who spends every weekend hiking or like fishing or being outside with the birds. (laughs) I got a look from (laughs) Olivia when she said birds. (laughs) The birds. (laughs) And I picked World of Wonders in Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments by Amy Nizuka Matatal. And this is a collection of essays. And she's a poet originally, and the um, the her poety language really shines through. You can tell she's someone who has a real affinity with words. Each essay focuses on a different animal, um, different flora and fauna in the world. You learn you learn a ton about these really incredible animals that she writes about. And the cover for gift giving purposes is beautiful. Have you read this one, Amanda? I have not. I think you'd like it because you like nonfiction. I do. I love nonfiction. She's a great writer. So definitely. So that's World of Wonders. That had a big um, following. I think when it it came out in 2020 and I think it was Mm -hmm. Barnes and Noble's like book of the year. I remember hearing the name. So it's familiar, but I haven't read it. It's gorgeous. Yes. That would be a great one. Are Um, there color pictures in it? I love when adult nonfiction, when they include color pictures, it's my favorite thing. I don't remember. I know each one has an illustration. Okay. Um, so the cover is all of the different animals and plants okay. and stuff. And then each, they're like pulled out uh, in, in each chapter. So when she talks about like 
the octopus or whatever. There's yeah. an octopus picture, Ooh. but I don't know if it's in color. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You didn't interrupt. I'm just like working my up to tell you that I cheated and picked another one for the same category and then another book after that. Oh, <laughs> well, you know I'm what? excited. No, no, no. I'm excited. No. Okay. So the other one I picked was Lab Girl by Hope Jaron, which yes. I think I talk about all the time. Yes, you recommended that. You were my second recommendation for that book. So, Oh, we're still waiting on a third. We are. We are. So that one was probably my favorite book that I read all year. It's one of my favorite books ever. It's a memoir. Hope Jaron is a renowned scientist. She lives in Hawaii, but she's lived all over the world. She starts up these laboratories. She's a plant scientist. And so she weaves in facts about trees and she writes beautifully it's like Mm -hmm. poetically about these Mm. trees and different things you might not know about trees and but the part that I loved about it was her memoir about her time setting up these labs Mm. and meeting and befriending her lab partner Bill who's a very eccentric guy and they have a very it's like it's like I wrote all my favorite genres and somebody wrote a book like I love unlikely friendship I love science memoir and I love friendship that's based in like a shared passion and I love grungy we were in our 20s and gross and we ate like hot pockets <laughs> and like stayed up until three and just like worked together and we were young and had this shared passion and sure like yeah. that kind of stuff have I you love ever heard everything. Jim Gaffigan's thing on hot pockets yes, hot pockets. <laughs> yes. um let me ask you this so uh-huh. because you're the second person to recommend it um and the first person was more science brain than I am. And I think you might be a little bit too. I am not good at science. Like it's, it is one of my least favorite things. I like certain elements like biology, animals, that kind of thing. Is it too sciencey for people that don't consider themselves science brained? That's kind of what kept me away from it. Just the title. I was like, lab girl, like this is going to, no. she's going to talk about some like really crazy chemistry or something that I'm going to lose interest. No, the science part is just some color. I feel the same way about the uh, world of wonder too. It's not very sciencey. Okay. It's more wonder at the world around you. Also hear stuff about my personal life. I always wonder when certain really great books don't circulate well in libraries. Is it because someone like me sees and they're like lab girl, like, ah, I don't want to get into something Mm. sciencey. So you're saying there are elements, but really it's, it's less about that and more about. Yeah. The parts I remember are like, when she and Bill first meet and when they mm-hmm. first start their lab and when they go on a road trip together okay. and they have that adventures like together, fun. it's fun. So that's Lab Girl. And okay. then the other person I thought of was your nosy neighbor. This is my last person. Your mm-hmm. nosy neighbor who keeps asking you when you're going to get married or have kids, oh, God. even though you've answered the question several times already. And this book is called You're Not Listening, What You're Missing and Why It Matters. What? I think this neighbor lives on my street. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can buy for them. You can buy You're Not Listening, Why you're, What You're Missing and Why It Matters by Kate Murphy. Very this cool. is one of the most important books for me in my life it was about she writes about the psychology and the neuroscience of listening Mm -hmm. but she also writes about like culturally how we kind of don't value listening as much as we value talking we're always supposed to be talking like as podcasters we're very chatty so this is a little hypocritical i feel like you are (laughs) recommending this book for me because i've told (laughs) olivia on several occasions when i listen to the podcast before they drop olivia gives us the opportunity to listen to them to see if there's anything that we're like oh god please edit that out i am a terrible interrupter because i get so excited about what i want to say in response to what you're saying so i think i need to read this book i i listen to improve that in myself i listen to the podcast too and i just think like oh i didn't hear any of that because i was something else that someone 
someone said, I was thinking about that. Yeah, you're starting to think of your response. So it's like at some point, but for podcasting, I feel like it has to work like that. Otherwise, there'd be these really long pregnant pauses yeah. while we're like trying to think mm. of the next thing to say. Yeah. And we're, we're tugging on our non-existent beards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she, so that I was like, I should listen to it every year, yeah. basically just to keep myself honest. Good reminder. Yes. And she also, one of the most interesting parts of the books book is that she interviews people who are considered like excellent listeners okay. or people who for whom listening is part of their job. So she interviews a CIA agent, oh, wow. a focus group moderator, a bartender, and a radio producer. Very and cool. It's just fascinating. I'm gonna read it <clears throat> it again. Sounds really interesting. It's, it's a great passive aggressive gift idea too, I thought. I think if you hand that to somebody, that's just, that's not even passive aggressive. For some people that might just be like, that's aggressive, aggressive. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying, Olivia. Um, so the last category that Olivia gave me was picture books for kids who want to be veterinarians one day. And um, the one I thought of first, which has ap apropos, is I want to be a veterinarian. And it is actually in our reader collection. It is a nonfiction for kids. And so the difference between our picture books and our readers is our readers, um, most of them are still picture books, but they're kind of, uh, when, when our youngsters that do, um, traditional picture books that you are reading to them, the readers is our next step up. It's a lot of them, as I said, are still picture books, but it's simplified language so that as the kids take on more of the reading, mm. um, they can kind of digest these a little bit easier. This is actually, a, uh, we do levels here at Troy. So we have a pre one, which is Bob books for those of you that might be familiar with it. So it's a picture with one word on the page. So it mm. might be like a picture of a cat and then it's cat. And the next page might be a dog. So it says dog. So that's what we consider a pre one here. Very simple where the kids a lot of times can figure out the word based on the picture. And then they kind of grow and develop our highest level is a reading level four, which means that more complex plots, longer sentences, paragraphs, but still simplified versus a chapter book. It's still a shorter book that they can you know, digest in less than an hour. Yeah. Um, so this is actually a reader, but still a picture book, as I was saying. And it's about, um, the book is about a boy that wants to be a veterinarian. And he goes around and um, talks to some veterinarians to see what they do. He takes his dog in and the doctor tells him what happens during the exam. Um, he goes and meets a large animal vet. That is so, so cute. It's super cute because they start realizing that there are different types of veterinarians. Um, the one guy is a wildlife veterinarian. Um, one is a dairy cow vet. So um, so I, what I liked about this book is it's non-traditional vet roles. I feel like a lot of us, even adults, when you, you think, you know, I'm going to the vet, we all think our household pets, we, we kind of forget sometimes there are some vets that are specific to zoos, you know, wildlife enclosures, but yeah, this is a fantastic book. And both of my recommendations are actually nonfiction. Hmm. And the second one I picked is actually from our nonfiction collection in youth. It's called how to find a Fox by Kate Gardner. Some of the photography is just gorgeous. And I'm this, seeing uh, this cover and it's I know, gorgeous. So pretty. Yes. I almost want that to be our picture on the website. Um, the photographs are by Asi 
Saranen, Saranen. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, Aussie. And this book is super gorgeous. The photographs in here are so pretty. Aww. And another thing I like because my category was picture books, it's still a picture book. These are still pictures. They're not, you know, drawings like they traditionally are in the picture book collection, but the pictures in this book are stunning and the text is still minimal. Um, I'll read you a couple pages here so you get a sense of what I'm talking about. So it says, don't look in the sky or the trees or the river or the pond. Do look for four fast feet. Look at how pretty that picture is. Oh my gosh. Amber eyes and a soft tail tipped in white. And then the, the uh, longer text areas are in a smaller font, which mm. to me says this is when the grown-up kind of takes over. And Visual it says cue. really cool things like red foxes have black socks or fur on their legs, golden eyes with vertical pupils that help them see better at night, and fluffy tails called brushes. Their tails not only keep them warm when they curl in a snug circle, but they also keep them balanced as they zig and zag after prey. Did you know that? I didn't know it was called a brush. I know. That's so That's another thing cool. I always tell adults. Read kids nonfiction because you get the same information as you do and adult books, but in hundreds less pages, right? Yep. And so that was How to Find a Fox by Kate Gardner. Pictures are gorgeous for gorgeous. your kiddos that want to be a vet. So, so cool. Thank you for that question. I really, that was actually my favorite. I loved it. I loved I love looking at the different animal books when I was trying to find some good recommendations. So yeah, maybe I'll get that one for my nephew because he likes <sighs> animals. I'm going to let you look at it and just return look it this. when you're done because it's checked out to me. Oh, you know what? I said what my favorite book of the year was that I read this year was Lab Girl. Did you have a favorite book that you read this year that you can think of off the top of your head? Ooh. And for any age or like specific to kids? Any, yeah, any old book. Um, I will say a recent book that I read that I love, 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 love. And I think it came out within the last year. I know it came out within the last year. Um, it's called Starfish by Lisa Phipps, and it is written in verse. So every page mm. is a poem, and it's written from the point of view of the 11-year-old girl. She is trying to make peace with her body while she's constantly hearing just negative com comments and just really hateful things from strangers and even from her own mother. And you kind of watch the trajectory of her story through her poems and experience it. And it's really interesting because... Um, her dad is a therapist and he tries to be supportive, but a lot of the vitriol comes from her mother and her mm. siblings. You get kind of a little sampling of how they kind of experience her. And I actually shared this on my personal Instagram account and tagged the author and she thanked me for sharing it. And I said, no, thank you. I wish this book was around when I was a kid Yeah, um, because I was a chunky kid and I got picked on a lot because I was a little bit chubbier. And so I wish there were books like this when I was a kid. So finding this, it felt like it kind of healed something in my adult brain from my childhood. And so I was so flattered that the author said that. And she wrote back and said, I wish this was around when I was a kid too. And that's why she wrote it. So if there's a book that should exist and doesn't feel empowered to write it, guys, for sure, you change the world. Yeah. I'm sure she's impacted lots of kids with weight issues. So yeah. change the world and in a good way. Like that healing feeling when you're adult, like even if, you know, it's grown up kids who need to hear that. Yep. That's very valuable. Yeah, it was a very, a very lovely, empowering book that I definitely had some tears in my eyes as I was reading it. I'm it's very read touching. What's it called again? Um, Starfish by Phipps, Lisa Phipps. Lisa Phipps. Yeah, it's excellent. Cool. What about you? What was your favorite book recently or of the year? Well, I, well, 
I think I discovered Helen Ellis this year. Have you ever read any Helen Ellis books? I don't. Mm, I know the name. She wrote American Housewife and um, oh Southern Lady Code. She wrote, she's like a oh Southern that's lady. why I I had Southern Lady Code. And I was reading part oh, of it. And it yeah. was due back. I think I had a hold on it, so I got probably six chapters in. Very funny. She's funny, and she writes her book of short stories, American Housewife. It's probably one of the weirdest books I've ever read. <laughs> it's so weird. She's a lot like David Sedaris. So if you like oh, David Sedaris okay. and that sort David of Sedaris. irreverent kind of pushing yes. the boundaries, sort of shocking sometimes. David Sedaris' Me Talk Pretty One Day is still one of the books I go to when I need to laugh really hard. Me too. He's so funny to me. Yes. Everything out of his mouth is funny to me. And she's the same way. She's a little gentler, I think, than he is. Yes. He can be real gross, you know, and I think she's a little less yes. gross. But she delights in, like, the weirdness in life. And Yeah. Um, so she has essays and short stories. And I, le- I was really glad to discover her. I needed something good. funny this year. That's good. What are you going to watch this holiday season? Um, the year is winding down. Okay. So I was say until Livia before we started recording, I wanted to just acknowledge that I celebrate Christmas. So these would be Christmas yeah. recommendations. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately, um, I don't actually, I have a coworker here who is Jewish, mm-hmm. um, but I've never actually experienced any, any media around the holidays that might be, you know, something about Hanukkah or um, any other religions around this time of year. Mm-hmm. So my recommendations are all kind of Christmassy things. So I apologize that I don't have a better, more interesting breadth of uh, recommendations for media, but I love Elf. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have we have three movies that we watch when we do the Christmas, when we decorate our Christmas tree, my husband and I. We do Elf, which makes me laugh super hard. We actually have like four. We do Elf, we do Home Alone, mm-hmm. we do The Christmas Story. That's while we're doing the tree. And then if we're not like ready to fall asleep because it's been a busy day, I love um, It's a Wonderful Life. Makes oh, me cry every year. I've never um, seen It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe oh, I'll you're coming to my house and watching it this oh, year with yeah, me. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. It makes me cry every year because the premise is... Um, Jimmy Stewart gets stuck I love him. doing his family business. He gives up his hopes and dreams. And then it's Christmas time and this money goes missing. And this meanie in town makes it appear that Jimmy Stewart has stolen the money. So these bankers are coming to him to basically be like, hey, where's the money? And he can't figure out where this huge sum of money is. What was a huge sum of money in the 30s? It's really not that much nowadays. But (laughs) 7301, where did it go? (laughs) You owe me that penny, sir. Um, And so he is like so overwhelmed by where life has placed him that he decides he's going to kill himself. Mm. And as he's about to jump into this freezing river, a guy jumps in ahead of him and you find out that's his guardian angel that was sent down to save him. And Jimmy Stewart jumps in and saves the guardian angel. And the guardian angel's like, I just saved your life. And Jimmy Stewart's like, I saved your life. And so of course he doesn't believe that it's someone sent from heaven. And then of course um, the guardian angel shows him what his, what the world would have been like without him in it. And it's, Moving, gets oh. me, it gets me in the fields every oh. year. It's, it's a good one. Um, what the world would be like with, oh, Whew, right? It's it's a deep, mm. it's a hard one at the holidays talking about people feeling yeah. sadness. And um, so, yeah, beautiful. And yeah, 
missing people. That's missing hard. people. It definitely and, does. And um, I would say not technically a Christmas movie, but I was telling Olivia, I love Little Women. I think we mentioned that when we were on with Cassie. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Catherine Hepburn version, which I think came out in 1934, where she plays Joe, which is my favorite character. Mm. And then I love the 1994 version with Winona Ryder. All the other ones don't exist in my brain. So I love to watch those because they take they start at Christmas time and it's just a fun kind of kick off to the holidays in my mind. I love the part where Winona Ryder's writing in that yes. house where she's working and she bites the orange in half. Yes. I always try and bite an orange in half like that and it just, you just can't. all over. You can't. I also just love when she goes home and she's writing in the attic all through the night. Oh, I love And she's that. going through their like hope chest from when they were kids oh. and it has like all their toys in it and it's like I can't with my... All their fun stuff that they made together. Are you trying to make together? me cry today? I feel like, this, I feel like emotional. This, is, this is not a hard episode <laughs> here at the end, but... Remember when Beth dies? Can <laughs> What is wrong with you? We're done. And we're supposed to be talking about the holidays. Happy not holidays, everybody. Stuff. Read some good books. Happy holidays, friends. Thanks for joining us in our first, what, seven months at this point? Yeah. Six, seven months since we started? Yeah. Maybe six it's months closer at least. to five. No, I think we June start recording to December. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us on this journey, friends. We look forward to more podcasts in 2023. And we hope you have safe and happy holidays with your family. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. You can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org slash podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at troypl.org. Thank you for listening and happy reading.